All right, guys, welcome back to Nerd Talk, and uh, we got a special episode in store today. Um, I got Scott with me, and it's just me and Scott. We're kind of just co-hosting together today, and per Scott's uh, request, he's our uh, most tenured video game expert. We're going to be covering video games Meaning I'm the oldest person who's played video games (laughs) in this group. But you're the one that really wants to do more video game episodes, and we've only done, I think, one or two other episodes pertaining yeah. to video games. And today mm-hmm. we're just gonna we're gonna kind of dive into the the video game world, and specifically Mario. Um, Scott, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. It's always good to be back, and it's always good to talk about video games instead of comic books and stuff that you know I'm not really into. So, what kind of into? Mildly into. Yeah. Um, so today we're going to be talking about Super Mario Brothers and kind of the evolution of Mario and um, specifically maybe uh, the late 80s, early 90s with, um, you know, Mario, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, the Lost Levels, Super Mario 3, those kind of games. Um, Scott, what, what's kind of your first memory of those games? Like, was it like the NES? Uh, was it... Uh, Super Mario Brothers, or did you like, what was the first one you played? First one I played was Super Mario Brothers on the NES. Yeah. I remember my Did parents, it have the duck hunt cartridge with it? You know, I don't know, because the, the game that I had, because I actually played Mario Brothers before I owned an NES. Okay. So, I remember, I remember playing the NES. There's two vivid memories. I remember my parents being over at a friend's house and they had an NES. And I remember playing Super Mario Brothers or I was playing Golga 13, which is this weird like Japanese anime show where you're like a spy assassin with the sniper rifle. So I remember playing those two games and then also Kung Fu on the NES. When I was over at my grandma's house, I remember my cousin Dean had an NES and I remember him playing Legend of Zelda. And I think those two, by playing Mario and playing Zelda, that's when I really begged my parents to get me an NES. And eventually I did, and I got Legend of Zelda, and I got Super Mario with the Duck Hunt on the same cartridge. Mm-hmm. And those were my first two games that I owned for the NES. And then yeah, my I... third one was Dragon Warrior. <laughs> Dragon Warrior. I haven't heard of that title in a long time. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I remember, I Scott, I'm a little bit younger than you are. But I, I remember playing, you know, Super Mario Brothers on the NES, um, you know, kind of the combination of that with Duck Hunt. And I didn't own any, uh, the NES uh, system first. I actually owned the Super NES first. And the very first game that I got was the, the Super Mario All-Stars game. But it was Super Mario All-Stars plus Super Mario World, which tends to be my favorite Super Mario iteration. But it had, it had Mario Brothers, Mario 2, the Lost Levels, uh super mario 3 and then super mario brothers or i'm sorry super mario world and um i just remember like getting that for christmas one year and just my mind being blown because there were so many games in one game do you remember the all-stars uh version oh yeah i remember the all-stars on the snes yeah yeah so um that was my very first game that i had um and then later on i think my mom bought us an NES system so that we had both the NES and the Super NES. But mm-hmm. um, of the four games that we mentioned, like Mario Brothers, Super Mario 2, Mario 3, and then the Lost Levels, um, what game was your favorite, Scott, out of those four? Oh, man. And why, and why was it your favorite? I think for me, I'm going to have to say Super Mario Brothers 3. 
because I think it just solid took... pick. Well, here's the thing: you look at Super Mario Brothers one, and you look at Super Mario Brothers two, and it was almost like they just took one and two and took what were the great things about both those games and kind of collided them and then merged them together and did an overview map that mm-hmm. you can navigate and explore and add some mini games. And that's kind of what makes that more of the quintessential uh, Mario, especially when you look at the 8-bit Mario games. Like that makes that like the pinnacle because they're able to learn from what they've done previously and then create a really great game. Yeah. Um, I would I would probably agree. Uh, Super Mario 3 was... I just remember turning that game on for the first time and it just just the map was so cool and the different worlds that you went to were so cool because they were also different right like the first one was different from the second one and the second one and so on and so forth because you had like the the desert theme for example and you kind of had this this tropical theme for an example and then like you know uh was there was an ice world and you know and so on and so forth there's eight eight different worlds eight different maps in super mario 3 um it was just uh yeah, it was so different, and I, and I think that uh, that's a lot of people's go go to. And if, you know, I think if I weren't picking three, I would probably pick the original out of the ones we're talking about today, um, mm-hmm. just because it, just the nostalgia of that being one of the first video games I ever played, and mm. uh, it was just so cool to to see that and um, kind of see the evolution of what Mario has become today. So, um, out of the four games, Scott, what game do you think is the easiest? Um, to play, to beat, to get through. I I would say Mario Three is the easiest. Really? And here's why. Yeah, here's why. Because with the first Mario game, with all the other Mario games, you didn't have the option to store items. Oh, so, like the little the little menu where you could store like the flower. The so extra, like yeah. So like if things. I. Yeah, so if you're going and you're doing all the mini games and you're able to go to the toad houses, so eventually, and especially when you destroy the like the little sub castles with like the mid bosses, you always get something. So if I get to a level where it's like, oh, I'm I'm starting off small, I could open that up, open up a mushroom, hit the first item box, get a fire flower, and then I can just obliterate my enemies. So that's why I think it's easy. Where Mario 1, even if you had firepower, like even compared to Mario 3 and Mario 1, if you both have firepower, in Mario 1, you get hit, you go back to small Mario. Mm. In Mario 3, if you get hit, you just go back to big Mario. You just... So... so they did the same thing with Super Mario World as well. Yeah, so as far as the 8-bit games, that's why I say Mario 3 is easiest because you have more tools and more options. Like even when you get to the... If you save your P-Wings... And you get to the end, and there's some levels where you could easily just use a P-Wing, which means you have unlimited flight in your raccoon suit. And you can just fly across the whole level and not even mess with it, get hit by a bullet bill, a cannonball, a bomb, anything. You could just blow right past that level. Yeah. Um, I think I would agree with that statement as far as getting the, the tools you need to, to, to beat the game itself. But I think once you get to um, World 8 with with Bowser, I think it gets incredibly difficult. I think it's one of the more difficult games for me personally. Um, just, you know, I can, you know, before we start recording, uh, Scott, you and I were talking about like, 
you you like to go through and beat every single level instead of like warping and and going through and you know getting the whistles and like you know for for people that have never played mario 3 you can get these things they're called warp whistles and you can and you can get them within the first map right and so like uh the first fortress and i think like level one three you can get two flutes or magic whistles and you can literally warp from world one to warp uh to world eight which is the last world of the game and be in the valley of bowser you know within five minutes and Mm -hmm. um I just thought that the, the map with with Bowser was incredibly hard. Do you, would you agree with that? Like out of yeah. the majority of the Mario games, I think that was one of the more difficult Bowsers to beat. Oh yeah, I think that last level's hard, which is why, which is why usually I don't do the whole whistle thing to get to the end, mm-hmm. because again, I don't have any of the power ups. So I'm going. So if you're going, you you go through the, the whole game. You you'll have all that stuff to to use, and then you'll have it all stored up by the time you get there. Yeah, so I mean, and yeah, so if I'm going through world one, two, three, even if I do a warp and just go skip world two and three and go to world four, mm-hmm. and I'm still collecting items, because again, it's not like because I can't remember how many items you get on like a single tray, but you have three, tr- I think you have like three trays. I was just going to ask so, you that, Scott. I was like, how many, how many so trays can you get? You get three, because uh-huh. I know, because uh, sometimes I could fill up three trays very easily so sometimes i have to be careful because sometimes i could get a mushroom and it it may over and it may ride over my last one (laughs) on the third tray so if i have like a star and i get a mushroom my star is getting replaced by that mushroom which i'd be like oh i need to start using some of my items because i'm notorious for playing through the game and not using any of my items till the very until i get to bowser's castle and then it's like i'm using all my items especially my stars like when you get to that one part where you're going through those like warp zones and you can either a make it through or i or you stop and a hand comes up and pulls you down yep. it's like these hard levels i usually make sure i have a star on so if i get pulled through i could just blow right through that entire world because those are some of probably the hardest yeah hardest worlds that you get sucked into i was playing those a couple of weeks i was playing super mario 3 a couple of weeks ago and that was kind of what i was running into i got to the last world and the part where the hand pulls you down mm-hmm. i was like Oh, it'll be fine. I'll get through these. And like, I think three in a row pulled me down. Like it was, mm. it was crazy. Um, so, you know, we talked about which game you thought would be the easiest. Let's, let's go to the opposite. What, what, out of those games, what, what game do you think is the hardest and why? Uh, lost levels. Yeah. What lost levels. And, and the reason why I say it's the hardest is because, you still have the same mechanic where if you're a big Mario or you're fire fire Mario, if you get hit, you go small. Yeah. You have more jumps you have to go through. Uh, I think you have more enemies on the screen. And plus, you, I mean, even though there's the poison mushroom, like to me, that doesn't, re- that doesn't really affect me. But what does affect you is sometimes you could get to places where you think you figured out warp zones to get you further along in the game and realize it actually sends you back. So if you were playing a game, like if you're playing this on the, um, I guess you would play this on the Famicom because it never was released over here in the States until it came over with the Super Nintendo um, on the uh, Super Mario All-Stars. You could play through that game and you could think you found a warp zone to get you farther. And it could say, you could be in level world five and you're thinking, okay, this is going to send me to world eight. And it says, okay, you're not going back to world two. And you're like, wait. And there's, and again, you can't go backwards like in, Super Mario Brothers 2 or Super Mario 3s, you're stuck. Yeah. So either two things are going to happen. Either you have to wait till time runs out for you to die 
and you lose a life, or you're just going to have to risk going back down, going back to world one and kind of starting everything over again. Yeah. Um, I think out of the games that we're talking about, I, I don't know that I've ever beat the lost levels. Yeah. Um, like just uh, because I just never have. Um, I was playing through it a little bit the other day and I think I got to like world five. Um, and that was all the further I got. I just ran out of time at home and had some other things I needed to do. But um, Scott, you and I were talking before we hit record uh, on this episode about how um, like on the Nintendo Switch, for example, how if you uh, you can do the rewind feature where you can you know mm-hmm. go forward and backwards to which you know basically the entire amount of time that you're playing a, a level or a game and um <laughs> there's not a chance that i could go back and play like a regular nintendo and or or, or a super nes and <laughs> beat some of those games i think the exception for that would be super mario world because i was just so good at that game uh, <laughs> do, do you feel that like that's the same for you or could you go back and actually beat some of these games with like the actual controller and um i think so and and i think the reason why i would say i could because i still remember like where the hidden in like even though it's been let's see that mario came out in 85 and i think it was probably maybe like 87 88 when i got my nes mm-hmm. so from 1988 to 2022 i could pick if i have an nes and i could pick up super mario brothers i would still be able to play it i still would be able to know where all the warp zones are the pipes that goes down i would still know where all the hidden items are and i would still like know how to especially when we get to world eight like how to get by certain things like i think i could do it um however i have gotten used to the rewind feature which even when i'm playing like games on the playstation uh, five and I died. There's a couple times where I'll hit both the two trigger buttons at the same time to try to open up. It's like, wait, I can't do that. Like I was playing control the other day and I died. I was in a big fight. I'm like, oh, I'm almost had this. And I end up getting ambushed from behind. I'm like, oh, darn. I went to go rewind. I'm like, oh, wait. This is the wrong I can't system. Do that in this game. It's like wrong system. I can't do this. <laughs> so I've gotten a little. So, and again, like that's the only way I could have beaten lost levels was by using that rewind feature. Because I actually finally was able to beat that game and I had to do it. If I was to go back and not use the rewind feature, I probably wouldn't be able to beat it because I would probably forget like, oh yeah, this pipe takes me back to world one. Okay, where am I supposed to go? Like, what am I supposed to do? So, Yeah, so our fearless leader, Jordan Halstead, and I think you, Scott, and maybe Will, one of our other uh, co-hosts, uh, convinced me a couple of months ago to get a switch. And so I went to the, to the local GameStop and they had one switch left and I bought it. And Scott, you're the one that actually told me about the whole rewind feature. And um, I, you know, I subscribe to what, whatever that's called Nintendo's. Uh, yeah. The Nintendo switch online. And you know what, Michael, we need to exchange gamer tags. Cause actually with the, like the super Nintendo, you and me could actually play Mario brothers. Like I could be, you could be player one. I could be player two. We could actually play that online. Wow, let's do that. It, yeah, uh, we we should. <laughs> we <laughs> like, sit here, yeah, here podcast Mario and, three. You and can watch. You could you, you can see my skills in Mario three, and now I can just like blow through that game real quickly. <laughs> and I'll be I'll be in world one, and you'll be in world eight. 
you, you'll, all you'll do is it's like, okay, I, I can't complete this level. So I'm going to go and do that feature where you go over the person and you hit a, and you go into like that Mario brothers thing. And I'm going to like get the most coins. So then Scott, I'm going to just intentionally lose. So Scott can take control and take yes. over that level. So I don't have to, yep. which is what my sister and I did all the time growing up. My brother used to get so mad at me when I was a kid because I would beat all the levels and he would be stuck. And <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, kind of back to Mario. Yeah, so yeah. I, got a, I got a Switch and the whole rewind feature, I think Scott, you told me about it. And I had subscribed to the Nintendo catalogs online where you could kind of get the Nintendo library, the Super Nintendo library, the Genesis library, uh, Nintendo 64. And so I made it a point to go on the, the SNES library and really start to dive in some dive into some of the games that I used to play as a kid and beat them. And so like, I think I beat Donkey Kong 1, Donkey Kong 2. I'm working on Donkey Kong 3. Um, and man, if I didn't have the Rewind feature, <laughs> I would be so much in trouble because there's just no way that I could beat those games today like um I did when I was a kid. So uh but back to Mario, I think that for the longest time without playing the lost levels and having the lost levels in that conversation, I would think that Super Mario 2 is the hardest. Mm. And the reason I think it's hardest, the hardest is because it was so vastly different than the traditional Mario. Um, comparatively speaking to, um, you know, Mario one, the lost levels and then super Mario three and even super Mario world to a degree, even though that's the, you know, the super Nintendo version of Mario, um, Scott, what were your thoughts about super Mario two and how much different it was and how, um, you were able to use all the character characters. You could use Mario, Luigi, Peach, uh, Mm. and the princess and like, Honestly, you would need you need them in certain levels to like beat those levels just because of the different skill sets. Like with the with the princess, for example, she could float and hang and do long jumps. Uh, Luigi could jump higher, um, and Mario almost kind of felt left out of the equation in this game. Um, yeah, give me some of your thoughts on Mario too and how much different it was from the other other Mario games. Yeah, and and I think and I think I don't know if you know the whole history, but it was kind of the idea of. Mario 2 is just a is actually a different game. It's called Doki Doki Panic, and they just replaced the main character with Mario characters. Yeah. But they kept the same. So that's why when you think of things like Shy Guys and all the other in the Birdos, like those were not Mario characters at all. They were part of a different franchise, a different game. And I don't know if they just did Mario 2 because they wanted another Mario game to come out because Super Mario Brothers, the first one, was such a big game and they sold a lot of copies. It's like, okay, well, we're going to have to create a sequel, which I think if you go through all the NES games, especially like the launch titles when the NES first came out, like the Mario series is the only one that got sequels out of all the launch titles. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, Mario Two is interesting because it, yeah, you, it it was a lot different because you had you had this you had your side scrolling stuff, which was great, and not only side scrolling left and right, but you had a side scrolling up and down, so that was a whole new feature. Yeah, you had instead of like pipes that you went through, you had doors 
So that was totally different. Um, and like it had kind of like the Middle Eastern vibe to it. Oh, and yeah. uh, it had like the, I don't even know what you would call the things. They weren't pipes like they were in the other Mario games, but it was kind of like the, they like kind bases, of like, a, like, yes. like pots or bases. Yeah. Yes. And then if and, you went down in them, that, those became big. The, like, but not only that, like in Mario, you were so used to jumping on enemies and they would die. Where this one, you jump on an enemy, they right. don't die. You have to jump on their head and pick them up pick and throw them, them up and then throw them. Yeah. Which was a whole different. And that's the thing. Like, I don't think there's, I mean, besides like picking up a turtle shell and being able to hold it, which you couldn't do in the first Mario game, you could do it in Mario 3. But that's the only time you got to pick anything up and throw something or shoot it. And it never was over your head and doing like a, like a soccer throw in like that was whole different. And then you had like a, then you collect hearts and hearts didn't increase your life. It just, you create, Oh no, hearts increase your life, but you would collect a bunch of cherries that eventually would get you hearts or sometimes they'd get you star power. So you can go and like blow through anything. And then you had potion where you could go into like a negative world and be able to find like a mushroom that can increase your life, your life or force. So or you make know, you bigger if you were dead. smaller again. Yeah. Like two hits, you're dead. But if you get a mushroom, you can get three or at least in each level, you could get up to at least four lives. So instead of getting the hit and you're dead thing, you at least could get up to four hits and go. And then each having each character kind of be different. Like I think probably the majority when I first played Mario 2, I think I always played as Princess Peach because I could just float. So I could always try like float and navigate over things, which sometimes was struggling when you're trying to fight against Birdo because it's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm floating too much. I'm not landing on the egg to shoot back at Birdo. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it basically, it was almost like a strategy thing. And especially as you got later on in the game, you knew that, oh, if I picked Mario on a level where it's just, where there's no platforms, it's just you riding on birds, then it's like, okay, I need to use Princess Peach for... Um, to be able to fly. That should, yeah, that should work. So, yeah, so it's... Yeah, so I think it was different, and but I think even though it was kind of a knockoff of an old game, and they just kind of repulsed it as a Mario game, even though it wasn't a Mario game, which I think if you talk to a diehard Mario fan, they will say Mario Two is not a Mario game. Which, yeah, you, you when you look at Mario One, Three, well, um, even the SNES and all of them, like Mario Two is the only one that is vastly different from yeah. everything else, except for you know you will have a shy guy in Mario Kart and a Birdo in Mario Kart and some other franchises, but yeah, it's, it's a weird game, well, uh, but I think it, but I think, like I said earlier, Mario two kind of helped give more inspiration. So how they were going to make Mario three. So the fact that you can go backwards, the fact that you can use your uh, raccoon Mario and fly up and actually slide scroll up instead of just going left to right, you can go up and down too and find hidden things up in the clouds and the hidden mm -hmm. pipes that you can jump up into. So, yeah, I think, um, I think it's an, it's an odd game, but it's a game that I think kind of helped pave the way for us to get Mario three, which is, you know, probably one of the best NES games of all time. SNES or NES? NES. Yeah. Cause when they did the, uh, the, 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 the All-Stars with, you know, the Super Mario All-Stars, which is basically like a remaster of the originals. 
and then they did that and then they did one with super mario world those were on the the super nes but the actual game came out on nes right yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah so i actually beat mario 2 a couple of weeks ago um i i you know i'm in my 30s now so i don't know <laughs> if i beat some of those games as a kid or not um but i beat mario 2 a couple of weeks ago at home uh and some of the things i noticed scott about mario 2 is that obviously bowser's not in this one it's like a it's a it's a frog right yeah that's it's a frog wart i think his name's wart his name's wart because i mean it was like it was just like a merge of a game that was supposed to be something else like you said before um something i noticed about that and one of the other things i noticed so the first thing was obviously the the villain was different um the second thing was uh the things that spit the eggs what what did you say their name was the birdo birdo like you you had to beat like a birdo in every single every single level almost right or was that uh-huh. that the case? Uh, or most of them? Mostly, mostly like when you had to end a level, it usually was a birdo. Um, until like level four, like the final like stage of that world, then it usually was a boss. Whether it was like Mauser, which was the mouse with the sunglasses, or yes. like a three-headed snake. Yep. Um, but sometimes, were, but in the majority of those games, levels, I'm sometimes sorry, there's I'm... levels where all you had to do was get a key and try to get out the door. Which then you had that like floating like mask thing flying at you and trying to yeah. hit you. Yeah, I was. I'm sorry. I was thinking. Um, in the majority of the levels, Birdo was there were there were Birdos, um, and there were different color Birdos. Ones that would shoot just eggs, and then there were some that shoot fire and eggs. And like you said, with the snakes and things like that, there were different um, villains than we had ever seen before. And then the finally, the last thing that I really noticed about this one beating it a couple of weeks ago was that in all of the other Mario games there were eight worlds and in this one there's only seven yeah which i thought was just odd literally it's an odd number but it was just odd that there were seven and then it was done um what were your thoughts on that being seven versus eight or did it really matter to you i i think it didn't i don't think it really mattered to me because i think at that point the game was so weird anyway and so different that it's just kind of like okay like and as we're talking about it scott like Mario 2 had um you know you had the ability to play with 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 Peach and with Princess and and, and oh, as Peach Princess is that her name is she Peach yeah, Princess, Princess Peach, Peach. what's Toad. Toadstool is it Toad is it Toadstool or Toad it's just Toad okay so Princess Peach Toad Luigi and Mario and in every other Mario game Mario was like saving the princess right because yeah. Bowser kidnapped her or Bowser took her, took her hostage. This one didn't because you're playing with those characters. So it was just so, so weird and so different. And then even at the end, you know, and everything's about rescuing the princess, rescuing the princess. And then number two, it's just like, oh, Mario just had this weird fever dream. Yeah. Like he must have, he must have ate some bad Taco Bell and had a dream. Where- <laughs> yeah, one of them, he had one of the Mexican pizzas. Yeah. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, this episode is sponsored by taco bell's mexican pizza <laughs> yes yes um did we oh i was gonna say did we even talk i think we jumped to the second game we didn't even talk about the first game oh we did, did a we? little bit we talked about the one oh. the first one a little bit um oh just about your first experiences playing with it but uh oh, do you want yeah. to hit more on that i, I do because i let's think go back to, let's makes... go back to the first one 
Yeah, I wanted to, well, because here's a couple things, like, and I, because I mentioned, like, you know, Mario, because Mario was so huge that it's the only one of the launch titles that got sequels, so I just kind of looked some stuff up. This is what I find so fascinating. When the NES was launched in 1985, it came with the console, two controllers, the zapper, it came with Rob, the robot, and then it came with two games, Duck Hunt, just Duck Hunt, and Gyromite, which Gyromite used the uh, Rob feature. But then when you look at 1985 and just the launch games that came out with it, you had 10-Yard Fight, which was a football game, baseball, Clue Clue Land, which is kind of like a weird, like, almost like kind of like a Pac-Man game, uh, Duck Hunt, which is packed in, Excite Bike, Golf, Gyromite, which is packed in, Hogan's Alley, which was a shooting game, Ice Climber, Kung Fu, Pinball, Soccer, Stack Up, which was another thing to use with Rob, Super Mario Brothers, Tennis, Wild Gunman, and Wrecking Crew. Now, when you think about all those games I listed, really, the only games that I think are prominent would be Mario, Duck Hunt, and Excite Bike. Yeah, I remember exactly. Like those, like I mean, I, I played Kung Fu, but really, those three games at least went on to have some type of sequels throughout the NES catalog through different consoles. Like I know there was like a Wii version of Excite Bike. I think there's an Excite Bike '64 too. But yeah, Mario was the first one that came out, and actually, not only that, but because Mario was so successful, when I got my NES back in like '88, '89. It was the console, the zapper, two controllers, and then the Mario Duck Hunt split. And that's what came in. And one of the things I think is so fascinating, because I watch a lot of documentaries, um, but we have to remember, Atari was one of the biggest video game companies out there and basically not only destroyed themselves with the E.T. game, (laughs) but almost destroyed all of the video game the home video game market crashed and literally it was the so the nes came out right when everything went down and i think there's a documentary called console wars and it's about mostly focused on sega and nes but um but then in that thing they kind of talked about Atari, and then when the NES came on, they tried to convince people they had stuff played in stores. And really, it was Mario Brothers and how successful that game was that really revived the video game, the home video game market. Like that game alone revived it, which is why it was packed in every NES from after its launch. And even if you go to 1986, like some of the games that were launched in 1986, you had Balloon Fight. You had Hella Fighter, you had Mac Riders, you had Mario Bros, which was just the two figures, like the old arcade version that just went around and jumped on turtles. Like you Donkey had Popeye, Kong. you had Urban Champion, and then you had Donkey Kong. Yeah. Which Donkey Kong would have been the highlight of 1986. But yeah. So Mario was not only ahead of its time with just the 8 bit graphics and what it could do and just the side scrolling thing, which was different than any other game you see on the Atari that could do that. But yeah, I think what makes Mario so great is it's ahead of its time back in the day. And yet the video game culture, the multi-billion 
dollar video game business that we have now is all thanks to Mario basically reviving the industry. Yeah. And it's evolved even to this day where they're continuing to make games with Mario in them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, now, let's not talk about the Mario movie, however. <laughs> no. At least I'm, I'm glad that didn't hit the video. That didn't destroy the video game market. That just destroyed uh, Bob Hoskins and John Lucasamo's career for a little bit. Yes. <laughs> and Dennis um, Hopper, too. I know we're kind of jumping around and everything, which is cool. But, uh, like... Super Mario Brothers, I believe you just answered that question, but Super Mario Brothers was it ahead of its time? And I believe it was um, just because everybody played that game. I just remember being a kid, like it didn't matter who, um, you know, growing up in a pastor's home, it didn't matter whose house I went to. Like they had a Nintendo or they had a Super Nintendo and they had Mario and everybody played Mario. Everybody knew how to play Mm -hmm. Mario. Um, and if you didn't like Mario, like Scott, you mentioned before, they had the combo uh, cartridge where you had Duck Hunt and Mario. So like it was it was quite the the marketing uh, for 1985, 1986, the late 80s, where it, it was a game for everybody. Right. You could do the duck hunting game. You could do Duck Hunt or you could do Mario. And, I, you know, obviously, I think that Mario was the harder of the two than, you know, Duck Hunt. Um, but like people really enjoyed and see it seemed to bring the family together as far as video games are concerned um oh and, yeah absolutely I and i was that i was looking and i mean obviously scott like i said you're a little bit older than i am but i looked to see how much uh the super nintendo or not super nintendo i'm sorry the regular nintendo cost in 1985 and was 150 dollars. yeah which probably back then was a lot of money oh yeah um i remember you know we talked about it you know, in a prior video game episode and this episode uh, that I got my first gaming system, which was the Super NES. And the Super NES came with, you know, like you said, two controllers, uh, the hookups. And then I I had the one cartridge, which was the Super Mario All-Stars plus Super Mario World, which in reality, that's five games, right? Which I was just happy as could be. And I think my uncle spent 200 or $250 on the very first, my very first game system. And that was in like 1993. 94 mm-hmm. um and so yeah uh mario i believe was just way ahead of its time and it's continued to be just such a a staple in the gaming community you know close to 40 years later um going back to super mario 3 a little bit as we're jumping around um what were your thoughts on the different worlds the different maps um how hard it was by the time you get to the end of the game with bowser you talked a little bit about like having the tools to succeed as you go mm-hmm. through this game, whether it's, you know, the leaf to make you fly or the fireball or the star, or the P wing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in Mario three specifically, like what were your thoughts on the different maps, the different things that were featured, the different um, tools, like, cause in Mario three, comparatively speaking to Mario one and then the lost levels you had, uh, you know, you could only, you could have a star, you could be big with the mushroom or you could, you know, have fire Mario and super Mario three, you had fire Mario, you had star, you had the mushroom, you had P wing, you had the ability to fly. You had like all these different tools. Yeah. You had your... Tanuki, you had, you had frog. Yeah. You had a hammer bro suit. 
Yeah. They even had like just hammers so you could bust rocks to find hidden areas. Man, I was I was playing Mario One last night before I went to bed. And dude, if I could have the hammer throwing suit against the hammer brothers in Super Mario Brothers, the original, man, I'd be oh yeah. I'd be throwing those so, things. So anyway, back to Mario yeah, 3. So, what, what's your yeah, thought Mario about that? Mario 3. Yeah. I think what makes Mario 3, I mean, again, probably one of the best Mario games on the 8-bit era is because, A, you have the different maps. And with the different maps, it wasn't just like, oh, like, it's a different map, and then we're going to paint a coat of yellow over the back screen and say it's desert, but you're still going to have the same brick underlay. Um, Because that was the thing in Mario 1, like even when you went to like World 4, it's like, okay, the bricks are still the same. The enemies are, you know, you may add a new enemy, like you may add a Buzzy Beetle or a Hammer Bro. But then you just kind of have a black screen with clouds and say, okay, it's like Dark World or Night or whatever. But everything's pretty much flows the same where you can get to World 1, which is basically your typical Mario. You have grass, you can slide, you know, so there's a lot of new things you can do, which like, okay. You know, you fight a mini boss. It's like, okay, cool. And then you go into the airship and then you get to fight an airship and fight one of the Koopa kids, which is cool. So, you know, just playing the first level is different. And then you get to level two, which is a desert theme. And then not only that, but you still have like your staple enemies, your Goomba and your turtles. But then you have new enemies. You have like, you have sand traps. You have you have a son that comes after you and chases after you. Oh, I hated that thing. Oh, and, and it, it's funny because I think, I think like as a kid, I used to have nightmares of that son. Like if I would dream, I'd dream of that son. I'd be scared to death of that thing. So I hated that thing. Um, so, and then you can get to some levels where it's just the cloud level. And it's basically just levels where you're on clouds or it's levels where it's a slow slide scrolling thing. And you just have to kind of, jump on platforms and try not to fall to your death and then there's like one level i think it's world six where it's everything's giant so you have like a giant goomba and a giant turtle and you're even when you're big mario you're still small compared to these gigantic enemies uh so when i look at that i'm like it was it was it did it so i love the map because you can even choose and sometimes there's times where it's like oh i can after i beat the first two levels i can go down to this card thing and go right to this castle, not even have to play world three or four. Yeah. So um, you can you could choose. Yeah. And then correct me if I'm wrong, was this the first game where the the level actually moved and forced you to move, you couldn't stop, you had to just keep moving? Was it the, yeah. was, was this the first iteration of that? Yeah, the slot, yeah, where the screen would move. And yeah, this was the first iteration of that too. Cause I don't that never happened to Mario One. It didn't happen to Mario Two, and it didn't happen in Lost Levels. Which so, I yeah. guess would be the real Mario too, but yeah, like <laughs> I was talking like, to a friend at work the other day about that, and he called it the real, the real Mario two the other day. The when real we were talking Mario about it. yeah. So yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so there was a lot of different elements, and the fact that they were able to throw so many different elements in this game and so many different things. So it was almost one of the things where in Mario one, once you kind of beat the game and you kind of start knowing about the warp zones and everything, you're like, okay, I'm just going to go through my warp zones and get to Bowser at the end. But with Mario three, it's almost like it was intentional. Like, Ooh, I want to see what this world is because each world was designed beautifully. They each had their own uniqueness and challenges. And it's like, Oh, Here's this new enemy. Like there's this like little 
turtle thing that like coughs up spike balls from its belly and then throws them at you like you're like, like what, what is, is that, that? Like, yeah what is that like that's cool like you're like oh what's this enemy or you are you are you are in the desert you see these little blocks that are moving like what are these and they jump and these blocks are trying to hit you and then when you jump on them you find out it's like these little mini goombas i'm like man how much up vertical does that little goomba have that it can like jump like almost like 20 feet up in the air and try to land on you <laughs> what um I'm thinking of these questions as we're, we're talking about this. This is just a great conversation about the evolution of Mario and specifically the, the Super Mario All-Stars. But like in Mario 3, what was your favorite map out of all the, the, the maps in that game? I think for me, I really like, well, and two, being a music buff, like I love the music in this game. Oh, yeah. um, I think mine was probably uh, the desert or um, the level. Oh, we didn't talk about this, but the level where you're big. Or everything's bigger you know what i'm mm -hmm. talking about oh yeah um yeah so i really like that one um what was yours oh geez um i think i like world three which is a water level because that's where you get to see where you get the frog suit yeah I think the frogs, I mean, frog Mario is fun. Like, even if you're playing a level that's not Wario, just like not water, just seeing him like bounce like a frog is hilarious. Yeah. I think world three was also like the levels that are like not necessarily water, but that's where you get that fish mm -hmm. that's swimming around that can like jump up and eat you and swallow you whole. Yeah. So if you happen to fall in the water, you better get out of there real quick or you are going to be eaten. So I think world three was probably my favorite because I just like the water levels. And I thought, and I think, you know, going from a traditional water level where you go down a pipe, you're swimming, you're avoiding fish and you're avoiding squids or bloopers, I guess they call them bloopers and cheap cheeps. You know, you're avoiding those things where this one's like, Oh, there's more versatility in these water levels. There's you're, you know, you have these plants that shoot like that, like build up and shoot these like pollen or fire pollen at you. Yeah, and you have all these, and sometimes you have all these other different um, aquatic enemies that are interesting. So yeah, I think um, I think World Three is probably my favorite in Mario Three. Yeah, I I always thought you know as a kid, and obviously now it's not such a big deal, but like, man, how hard was it to get to Bowser in this game versus other games? Like, it just seemed like it was a lot if you didn't know about the whistles, the warp whistles. Um, and you were playing, you know, legitimately World 1 through World 8. Like, it, that was a journey, right? And you didn't have the ability, like we do today, to save games in place right where you left off. And I, I was telling my wife last night, I was like, man, like, you know, not being able to save your game. Like, with the NES, for example, if you played Mario 1, you're playing it till either you beat it or the next time you turn it on, you start all over again. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. What was your favorite? Like, I guess I know. I'm gonna, I know. Uh, I feel like I know that, that I'm going to know the answer to this question. Uh oh, <laughs> that was a mouthful. But what was your favorite suit or special uh, uh, addition that Mario was able to get? Like you mentioned the frog suit earlier, but like mm -hmm. you mentioned different iterations. Like he had a, a raccoon's tail in this in this game where he could fly. He had the hammer throwing suit. He had the the suit where he was completely, uh, you know, the raccoon instead of just the raccoon's tail and the ears. Um, there yeah, were I would say, I would say the Tanoki suit would be which my is, favorite, which, which is, looks like the, which it's, it's almost like a raccoon, except you have more of like a, 
bear's head because it's more of a bear. Yes. And it does the same thing. You can run, you can fly, you can use your tail to whip enemies. But the core thing you can do with that is if you're in a if you're on a hard level and you just want to bypass enemies, all you have to do is hit down and B and you turn into a statue. Yeah. And the thing is, is if you keep holding it, you can let an enemy bypass you and it won't hurt you. Or you could jump up and become a stone. And even if you have an enemy like a um, like a spiky or a spiny or whatever, those like turtle with the spikes on them, you could just instantly knock them out. So you have like another weapon you can use. Um, so I would say the Tanoki suit's probably my favorite. And, and you can fly. You can fly too, yeah. And the other thing is, it's also a rare suit. Like, like it's not a suit that you can you just easily get. Like, you have to. It's usually a rare one if you pick a random. I think even if you go into a Toad House, it has to be like the Toad House that only has like one treasure box because it's such a special suit. But I think it's very rare if you find one in a three treasure box Toad House. And I think maybe you get it for like maybe one time for beating like one of the. Um, I can't remember the, the, I think they're called bam bams or bomb bombs. Like the, the mini bosses that were, it's like the guy who just goes and he oh, yeah, yeah, just yeah. like that. Yeah. You always fight them in the like, mini castles all the time. It's, it, but it's different variations, whether they just run back and forth, they jump or they get wings and they fly around. Like they always kept transforming as you got deeper and deeper into the worlds. Well, something else I noticed too, about the, and Mario three was like, when you got to the end of each world, um, you had to go rescue a King. From that particular um, world, and it wasn't well, like I wouldn't say I wouldn't say you have to rescue a king. You just have to turn him back because they usually were some type of weird animal. Right. <laughs> well, that's what I meant. Lawn. That's what I meant. Like you had to go back and like you had to rescue and restore peace to that world, right? And like with Mario One, for example, you had to you're going into each of these castles like at the end of one four, two four, three four, and so on, uh, just to find uh, Princess Toadstool, and she's not in any of those until the last one so like they didn't really mention her right until you know that she's with bowser you obviously know yeah that bowser mm -hmm. has her but like they really don't draw much attention to that until you get to world eight to be bowser um side question scott for you what 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 do you like better the the suit that you just mentioned in mario 3 or the ability to fly with a cape in super mario world and i know that we're not talking about super mario world today but like i'm a big fan of the cape and I was a big fan of Super Mario World of the Cape. I like I like the Cape because it's versatile. Not only do you fly, but you can also then use it like a parachute, and you can kind of keep gliding and dip in and out and all that fun dip stuff. Dip in and out, and so I think, and I think, and I, and I mean, and I think it takes. I think like when you play Mario three and you go to Super Mario World and you have that flying mechanic with the Cape, it does take a little bit to get used to to kind of get a nice groove to kind of get that motion to glide which i think there's actually like a bonus level in one of the worlds when you that you can actually practice and doing that where you have to just get a bunch of coins yeah but I'm, I think, yeah but i think like with that um the only thing i liked about um the raccoon versus the suit and i felt like i liked having control of how you descended or glide 
Because if I flew up and I didn't, I think, and remind me, because it's been a while since I played Mar Super Mario World, but if I fly up and I don't activate the parachute thing, I kind of just like slowly descend, but I don't have any control over it. Where if I just keep hitting the button and moving my tail, I could either drop faster or I can drop slower and I had more control of my descent after my flying power dissipated. Where if I did do the parachute, if I went down, then I kind of got to a point where I just like crashed <laughs> real quickly and I couldn't revert back to just kind of slowing down my descent depending yeah, on that's that's exactly right like if you okay. were to like run and fly with the cape in super mario world and you just had to you hit left on the controller and you would just kind of keep beveling mm -hmm. just floating along in the, in the sky if you didn't you would just come back down and you know depending on whether there was a hole or an enemy or something like that like right uh, it mm -hmm. would just it would just depend on you know how you landed and where you landed um yeah uh kind of back to the the topic at hand we talked briefly about the lost levels um mm -hmm. scott scott tell me your thoughts on the lost levels how similar the game looked to super mario world um, wow that was the wrong game uh <laughs> super mario brothers <laughs> i knew that i was going to do that in this podcast because there's just so many different games and the titles are so close Tell yeah. me your thought on the lost levels and how similar the game looked to the original Super Mario Brothers and how much harder do you think the game was than the original? Yeah, so I would say with Super Mario Lost Levels or the real Super Mario Brothers too. Yes. <laughs> when it, when when we first start that game, when you first start that game, it almost looks similar. It's almost like, "Oh, this is going to play just like Mario 1." And then very quickly, within like probably the first couple of seconds, like I'm sure the very first couple of seconds you go, you hit that block and you see a purple mushroom. You go, oh, they changed the color of the mushroom and you hit it and you die. You're just like, wait, what? And, and, and I think even like if you haven't, if you didn't know about that and that was your first experience, you already kind of set the pace that this game's going to be a lot different. And this game's probably going to be a lot harder, which, which I would say if you were just playing it blind, you probably were going to die before you even got to world two. Yeah. Because of how difficult the game was and how um, you're going to notice there's more enemies. You're going to notice that there's going to be traps. You also notice there's going to be like um, things that you thought were going to take you some places and they take you other places. So, or sometimes you might hit a, I think there's my, and I can't remember, but I think there's one time where you hit a pipe and you go down and instead of taking you, forward it takes you backwards and you end up coming out like to more towards the beginning of the stage than where you were and you're like wait a minute and so we kind of we, we kind of get that we kind of get that in the last castle of super mario brothers if you don't know the exact uh um, yeah if you don't know the exact pattern of which way you have to go then once you got down the pipe you would start the whole thing over again yeah. or you if you or if you found it right you'll know because once you start going you notice that the map changes do you think they did that on purpose uh, with uh, the lost levels of mind, Scott, like I the whole so. idea of like, because basically with Castle Four, I'm sorry, Eight Four, the last castle of Super Mario Brothers. Um, if you like, you said right just a few seconds ago, where you know if you didn't go the right path and you didn't go the right, go down the right tubes, like you could just basically loop the whole level again until you run out of time and you die. It's exactly. kind of it's kind of that in the lost levels where if you don't know the exact trajectory, you could. You know, you could just get back. You know, you could be in World Seven and get back to World Two or whatever. And yeah. So on and so forth. And I think, and I think that's always, and I think that's kind of the the point because, especially if you, again, if you didn't have the whole rewind feature on Switch Online, 
And if you got yourself stuck where now you have to go down this pipe to take you back, you now have to figure out, okay, do I have enough lives for me just to let time run out and die? Yeah. So I can start this whole level over again and figure out what I did wrong. Or if I only have one life left, do I go down the pipe, go back to level two, try to remember where the power-ups are, get some coins, you know, maybe do like the little like cheat where I can jump on a shell and like get so many points that I start racking in like a bunch of one-ups. Like, I think that's, you know, there was a lot more, I think it was one of the games where it was like, you know, for those of you who played Mario and I played it for over and over and over again, and you kind of know how it works. You kind of know how to system. We're basically going to take the same thing that looks similar, but we're going to tweak it to enough to make it a lot more harder, which is one of the reasons why it never came out here in the, in America, because I don't know if it was the localization team or if it was just the people over in Japan saying this game is going to be too hard for Americans to play. I would agree with that. <laughs> like it's going to be too hard to play. So we're not because, and I think because it was so challenging, too challenging, they didn't think it would sell well. And that within the domestic market or the American market, it was going to be too hard and it was going to kill the Mario franchise. So let's do these nice, bright, shiny characters. And let's just take this Doki Doki Panic game. Let's put, let's throw our Mario sprites in it and say, there you go. Here's Mario that's, your, that's Mario 2. And you're like, huh? Which but is then, weird because then you, but then you get to the Super Mario Super Show. And when you see the Mario cartoons, you have Bowser as the antagonist. You have the Mario Brothers. But then all the characters are from Mario 2. You have your Birdos, you have your Shy Guys, you have some Turtles, you have, um, you even have Mauser in there. And I think you even have the three-headed, the three-bodied, three-headed snake in there too. It's like, why are these Super Mario 2 characters? But yeah, I mean, I would say that, and I think in some ways they were right. Because if they did release Mario 2 and it was so hard, I don't think, I think people would have bought it just because it's like, hey, but then people who are skeptical and they're like, yeah, I don't know if I should get Mario 2. It's like, no. But then you get Mario 3 and even just the cover, big smiling Mario with the raccoon ears at the tail, looks like he's flying, bright colors. And then you open up the game and it's bright colors and it looks like Super Mario Brothers 2, but it plays like Super Mario 1. And then there's it kind of plays the best of both of Mario 1 and Mario 2. And that's why Super Mario 3, which I think is probably the most high selling game on the NES. I gotta, I'll, I'll fact check that, but yeah, I, I, I believe so. Yeah. I think Scott, you're exactly right. But like, and to back up your point, like when I was a kid, I could beat Mario brothers. I could beat super Mario two. I could beat super Mario three, but like, I never really knew about the lost levels until, um, you know, I got my super NES and I got, the Super Mario All-Stars with Super Mario World like cartridge and the Lost Levels is included in that. And they never branded or labeled it as such because Super yeah. Mario 2 already existed. All so right. it, was, it was just called the Lost Levels. Okay, so here's the top three selling games for the NES. Number one, Super Mario Brothers had a total sales of 40 million, sold 40 million cartridges. Duck Hunt was two with 28 million cartridges. And then Mario Brothers three with 18 million cartridges. And the only difference between Mario, Duck Hunt, and Super Mario three is Mario and Duck Hunt were packed in games. 
So that was kind of factored in with buying it where Mario three didn't become a, eventually it ended up becoming a pack in game with a bundled NES, but not until, not until way later uh, in the nineties. And then I think it was 90, I think it was 92, 93 when the SNES came out. I'm not sure, but yeah. So the fact that, Super Mario Brothers is the highest grossing game on the NES. A lot of it had to do because it was packed into the NES. It was packed into the box, which made it not only the highest selling system, but the highest selling game because they factored that into the cost. But I mean, but I think it's good to say something that Mario, like, oh, I didn't even see how much Mario 2 made. Uh, Oh, Super Mario Brothers 2 only made, only sold like 7 million compared to Mario Brothers 3, which was 18 million. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's, cra- that's crazy when you think about it. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of in, in the last couple of questions before we kind of wrap up our time, what, what memories do you have playing these games? Like as a kid, as a young, you know, as a young person, uh, playing them for the first time, beating them for the first time, et cetera. Like what, what feeling did you get? Like, what, what was the first one you beat? Did you beat them in order when they came out? Um, yeah. So how did, how did that make you feel as a kid? So I think as far as when I, I, I beat Super Mario Brothers, I beat Mario 3, Mario 2 came later after Mario 3, and then, of course, Lost Levels, I just beat that probably like two years ago. So, so with that being said, that was kind of my, my wheelhouse. Um, the, the biggest memories I have of playing these games, and, and you kind of mentioned it before, where it's like every family had every family had a um, NES. It seemed like almost every household in America had one, and they had Mario. And just the idea that me and my sister were able to go and play, but not only that, but then me and my dad or me and my mom, or if I was over at visiting my grandparents and my cousins were over there. We were playing Mario. So I think kind of the biggest memories I have would be playing those games with families and friends. And even when Mario 3 came out, because at this point I already had a subscription to Nintendo Power and they already had like an issue detailing Mario 3 and even giving like, oh, here's some special hints. So even like when my sister's playing, I could say, hey, here's something you can do. Here's a hint. And I would like look through my guide and give her a hint, kind of help her get through a level by herself as she was playing it by herself. So yeah, I think um, my biggest memories would just be playing it with other people and just talking strategy. And, you know, if you get, and that's the thing, like if you get stuck somewhere, you could talk to a friend at school who has it and say, Oh yeah, I got stuck on this one. It's like, Oh, well there's a warp zone. It's like, what's a warp zone. And that was the thing before the internet, before you didn't have to call the 900 number to figure out what you need to yeah. do. <laughs> you could talk to your friends and like, Oh yeah, here's how you do it. And here's how you beat it. And it's like, Oh, okay, cool. So you kind of, so since everyone had it, you did, that was something you talked about at lunch all the time. What did you, you think of that video games and Mario and how to do things? And it was great. It was wonderful. What did you think of the remasters when they did the Super Mario All-Stars? Like how they made them a little bit easier to play, easier to beat. The graphics looked a little bit better. And then even like the orientation, the picture, the pixelation and stuff looked better. I say... Were you, or, or, or Scott, are you a purist purist in that respect? Like you like to play the originals. No, so when I... Because, well, for me, I, I'm, I have a different take because when I got my Super Nintendo, I had to get rid of my NES. Okay. Because there was a family that was that fell on hard times. Their son really wanted a gaming system. 
So when I got the Super Nintendo, the trade-off was is I had to get rid of my regular NES. NES and all my games and everything else. Yeah. But like so as far as when, the games themselves, like did you did you like the originals better? Looking back on it now, do you like the graphics, the like the the All-Stars version on SNES was a whole lot easier to play. And like now when I play my Switch, I'm gonna play those before I play the NES catalog. Yeah, and see, I would I would say I would play the NES ones before I would play the all-star ones even though i like i like the all-star ones because if i was playing like super mario brothers they have three save slots yeah so i, I could play it i think they have four on each game maybe four but like there's a way where i could save it so okay if i was uh, so and that was always the thing like if i had to go do chores either i leave my system running and then my sister get on there and play it or turn it off or i'd have to turn it off and start from scratch again so i love that mechanic i did yeah. like visually some of the more details in the background than the 8-bit stuff but i think if i had a choice if i was going to go play it would i play the lost levels or would i play the original on the nes i probably would play the original on the nes just because that's that's what i grew up with so that's the thing that i'm going to have the more nostalgic attachment to yeah i think for me it would be the just because i got the super nintendo first and then the NES, I would probably mm-hmm. go more towards the Super Mario All-Stars route because I thought it would, they were easier to play. I thought the graphics were a little bit better. Um, and they kind of just did like a remastered version of all those games. And it was what I grew up on is what I played. I mean, I did play the originals for NES, but, you know, I got I kind of really got my feet wet playing them on a more regular basis on the, the Super Nintendo. Um, kind of our... You know, last question as we're wrapping up uh, the the Mario conversation today, Scott, are you familiar with the term speed running? Yes. And what are your thoughts on speed running? Are you cool with that? I know that you said before we started recording that you you aren't one to do that, but have you watched stuff about that? I um I follow a channel on YouTube. His name's Darbyan, and mm-hmm. he used to he doesn't hold it anymore, but he used to hold the record for beating Super Mario Brothers the original in like less than five minutes. And then uh, something that I've noticed is popular now uh, among the amongst the gaming community is it's called Super Mario Hour, which is basically where you go in and you beat Super Mario Brothers, you beat the Lost Levels, you beat Mario Two, Mario Three, Super Mario World, and Super Mario Sixty Four, and you try to beat all um, six of those games in less than an hour or right at about an hour. Oh wow! Um, so uh, I'll send you the video. It's pretty impressive. Uh, there's a couple of guys that have done it and I'm just like, wow, how do you guys do that? So like Darby and the guy I follow, for example, in his room, he's got, Scott, he's got the NES, the whatever, um, what was the gaming system the Lost Levels was on before they released it in the States? Uh, Famicom. Yep, so Famicom. They ha- He has a Famicom and then he has uh, the Super NES and then he has the 64. Like he has them all lined up. And he literally just swaps games as, and he goes through and he plays all of them, right? And so it's just, it's just amazing to watch. So Scott, tell me about um, your knowledge of speed running. Are you cool with that? Do you feel like it's just a, a waste of time or is it just like, it's cool <laughs> to watch or be a part of in the gaming community? What do you think of that? Yeah, so, so for me, I like to, like for me, when I play a game, I'm, I'm more of a completionist. Like I'm going, if I play Mario, I'm going through world one, two, three, four. I'm going through all the worlds, all the levels. Because I think, you know, as a game designer, if they put all that work into something, I want to be able to appreciate everything they've done. 
With that being said, I'm fine with speed running because for me, I look at that and I'm impressed on how quickly someone can play that game. I'm very quickly how people can like use exploits to like use glitches and stuff to get to, you know, get to like, like in Mario 64, there's a couple of glitches where you can get to the final Bowser battle without having to collect like all the stars. You can bypass doors and get there. I'm thinking that's cool. Like, that's great. That's wonderful. Um, and, and I think at the end of the day, you know, if you are having fun and you love playing games and if you're someone who goes, man, I love Mario and I want to challenge myself to see how quickly I can beat that game. And that's what gets you excited about the game. That's something where you feel like you um, want to do with the game. Then, yeah, I, I'm all for that. Like, like anything that's going to help you love and appreciate a franchise or a game, I mean, go at it. Like, even though I think, I, I mean, right now I'm playing like through the Mother series just to kind of go through Earthbound 1, Earthbound 2, and then I'll play Mother 3 after I beat um, Mother 2 slash Earthbound. And I even kind of put it like, hey, you know, what's the next game series I want to be? And I think, Michael, you're like, do Legend of Zelda. And I'm thinking man, I'm going to be playing that for years. If I, and, even, and even I'm thinking, well, what if I played it by timeline? Like start with Skyward Sword and work my way down to, to OOT and then kind of say, okay, now I'm going to be playing the timeline if Link loses. And now I'm going to be playing the timeline if this happens or this happens and kind of, and then finally, once I play through all these different timelines, then it's like, okay, now I go to the resurrection timeline, which is where Breath of the Wild starts. Yeah. And how fascinating would that be to kind of go through that? So, you know, I'm still debating if I'm going to do that or not. But I mean, but it's something, but I mean, I love Zelda and I love any type of games. Like right now on my streaming channel, like I'm going to be starting um, the final Splinter Cell game. Like the last yeah. Splinter Cell game was made because I've never beaten it. So I'm doing that on my channel to, to try to beat that game. So, you know, if it's something, if you do something like streaming or speed running or, you just want to be a completionist and like a hundred percent anything, however you approach a game and whatever you do that you find fun and enjoyment and it, and it gives you a sense of completion in your life. Then yeah, do that. Like I'm for anything. Um, I'm not for cheating though. No cheating, no game genies here. <laughs> I'm a, I'm okay with this whole concept of speed running. Uh, last night we were, we got home late and I just wanted to play a couple of games. And so uh, the, I threw on my switch and I was like, you know, I'm just going to play Mario. And for the whole idea of speed running, I like wanted to see how quickly I could beat the game. And so for, for this whole idea of speed running, I have, I can't beat the game. I'm at right around nine minutes, 10 minutes. And that's including warps and everything like that. But like, I just wanted to see it's 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 cool to beat the game quick and it's cool to uh, have the ability to um, play the game and uh, beat the game quickly without going through the whole thing. And, and like that's my kind of concept of speedrunning. I don't do it to just like break the world record and I'm not going to break the world record. That's just I know that for a fact. But if I'm bored and I've already beat the game all the way through. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna try to beat it as quickly as I can because it gives me a new perspective of the game. Now, if I open a game for the first time, I'm not gonna try to speed run. I'm gonna do what yeah. you said, Scott. Be more of a completionist and go through and be, uh, 
strategic in how I beat the game and try to beat the whole game and not try mm-hmm. to speed run. Speed running for me would come after the fact. Speed running yeah. for me would be like, man, I've already beat this game. I just want to see how quickly I can beat it and just try other mm-hmm. things and try alternative routes and things like that. So last question, Scott, what, what's the greatest Mario game of all time? Are we just talking about what we discussed or the Probably. whole Mario catalog? Well, let's do both. Uh, what's 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 the the greatest Mario game of all time of the games that we discussed, and then to to expand on that a little bit a little bit, what's the greatest Mario game of all time? Ooh man, oh jeez. Ah, uh, so with what we discussed, I would have to say Mario Three. Okay. In the eight bit NES era, Mario Three, hands down. If we're looking at all the Mario games, um, and this is just more Mario platforms like Super Mario, not like looking at like Mario Kart or Smash yeah. Brothers. Uh, Mario Paint. Wow. Yeah, Mario, Mario Paint. Oh, Mario Paint, man. Nothing can compare to that. Uh, I know I'm, I know I'm going to get hate for this one, but man, I really enjoyed playing Super Mario Sunshine on the GameCube. Oh. That game, I mean, it's not, I know it's not going to be like, what I for me, I think it's the best. Because it's so weird and it's so odd. It, but at the same time, it just brought in so much new mechanics and so many new interesting characters. And even though like with Mario, even with like uh, Mario 64, you had like the stars and you had to collect them. And if you collected all the stars, you got to open up a special cannon that shot you on top of Princess Castle and you got to see Yoshi. Spoiler alert. Um, but you can't ride them. But the fact that Mario, what I liked about Mario Sunshine is when you start collecting the sun sprites, the world starts getting brighter and brighter and brighter. So you, you start to see these little notions. And plus the thing you could use flood and like use water to hover or use it as a rocket or clear off paint. Plus like the, we- the weird thing that the mystery like Mario is Bowser Jr. And he thinks that Princess Peach is his mom, which is, it's like the most absurd thing, <laughs> but yeah. it's so funny. And I, and I, and I really like the battle with Bowser and uh, Mario, um, in Mario uh, Sunshine as well. I think yeah. that battle is just, it's just great. So I would say that would probably be, my, in my opinion, that would be the best of all time. It's the- so Mar- it's, it's called like Mario Sunshine? Super Mario Sunshine for the GameCube. Okay. So, so you said Mario 3 of the games that we talked about today, and then yeah. the Super Mario Sunshine, which is a game on the GameCube, which I never really played much GameCube, so I don't, I'm not really familiar with that title. Um, for me, I would say of the games that we talked about, I would have to go with the OG uh, Super Mario Brothers, and then greatest Mario game of all time, in my opinion, would probably be Super Mario World, just because it was the first game I really mm, died, yeah. dove into. I thought the map was revolutionary. I thought that game was way ahead of its time. Um, graphics and the story that was told in it, I thought that was great. Um, Love the map too. Uh, but yeah, um, Scott, do you want to plug your uh, your yeah? Which channel real quick so that people yeah, can kind of so, follow along uh, with your for, So people who are listening, I have a Twitch channel. It is twitch.tv slash games, never finished, all one word. Um, and I usually play about the afternoon. It's Monday through Friday. I play around afternoons, around lunchtime. Uh, that may change because my kids are out of school. So we'll see if that doesn't change. But really, I just go back through my 
long career of video games of playing it and go back to the games that I've played but never beaten and try to beat those games. So right now, like I mentioned, I'm going to start playing Splinter Cell. I'm in the middle of playing Sakodin 5, which I'm towards the tail end of that. I have to do some more grinding, so that's why I'm not going to be uh, streaming that because no one wants to watch a guy just grind and collect money to upgrade items and everything else. So I'm going to go and start streaming Splinter Cell while, and then off stream, I'm going to start building that up. So once I'm ready to take on the final boss, cause I'm at that point right now where I'm like the last leg of the game. So then hopefully I will be back on with Sakoda five beat that. And then I'll be done with my, I think this is season six I'm doing. And then after that, I let people who subscribe to my channel and my friends get to vote on the next three games that I play for the next season. So Follow me, uh, subscribe and follow me. Uh, you can join my Discord. All that information is on my Twitch page. And then you can look at all the games that I have listed that I played and never beaten. And you get to decide what games I play, which I'll have voting open up in probably a couple of weeks. I'll have the voting open up for you to choose what games I play next season. What's your Twitch handle, by the way? Again, twitch.tv slash games never finish. G-A-M-E-S-N-E-V-E-R. F-I-N-I-S-H-E-D. Finished. Awesome. And you can catch us on Nerd Talk with Jordan Halstead on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. You want to follow along on all those platforms. Um, we're dropping episodes every single week on Saturdays. We're also doing the Comic Book Club, which you can look at our uh, TikTok channel and other platforms to find out more information about that. So we love you guys, and we will catch you next time on Nerd Talk.